0: You. I'm your host, Phil, and with me is my co host, Andrew. Uh, and we're here to talk to you about movies. That's what we're here for. So, first things first, uh, we would like you to visit our blog, www.in the Q. It's the letter Q.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Oh, yeah. That's in the Q, Q U E U E. Film conversations with Andrew and Phil. And on top of that, we have a Facebook page, no less. We do. You can go to our Facebook page and you can actually comment on our posts. You can listen to all of our posts that we've made. And you can also check out videos that we post that have to do with uh, topics of, uh, of the, the podcast that we do. Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. also give us a suggestion on the Facebook page. For movies you'd like us to review, basically.
1: Which is especially topical today.
0: Because the film that we are about to review is a listener suggestion.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, the suggestion itself uh, stems from our previous uh, listener's choice, which was the movie Frozen, the, the very popular Disney animated film. Uh-huh. Um, in which in in the podcast where we talked about that, Phil said that he had not seen a lot of animated films. Not really. And, and one of our listeners, Aaron from St. Louis said, if Phil hasn't seen any Miyazaki, you need to review Princess Mononoke or Spirited Away. Mm, And And that's a direct quote from our Facebook page. And I gave Phil the option. I said, do you want to watch... Princess Mononoke or Spirited Away? And I said, I'd like
0: to watch Princess Mononoke. Yeah. So that's what we did. That's just what we did. And uh, Princess Mononoke, I remember hearing about this film and knowing about it for a while, but I never actually did see it. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: uh, the plot of the film, it has to do with a uh, valiant warrior named Ashitaka, uh, who uh, becomes subject of a, a curse, uh, where he is he is wounded and he has this sort of perpetual almost living scar on his arm from a from a curse by a, a tatarigami uh, which is a type of a, a creature demon. A, a demon that has that has uh, you know, permanently wounded him and and ashitaka is he, he believes he's going to die eventually from this wound. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's he's trying to find a, a, a cure, though, and he finds himself in the middle of a war between uh, these gods of the forest and then Tatara, a mining colony, sort of a, a battle between the natural spirit world and then a more, more sort of populated civilization. Yes. Um, and he, in turn, meets San, who is the titular character of... Uh, Princess Mononoke, who lives among the the forest spirits, and uh, and wouldn't you know it, he kind of falls <laughs> in love. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, and uh, yeah, so that's basically the plot. Although they
1: don't harp on that, they don't. It's not uh, no, they don't. It's not treated in a conventional
0: way that that I think a lot of films would would treat. They don't throw it in your face like an American movie would. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke is a Japanese film, Japanese anime.
1: yeah Yeah, by Hayao Miyazaki the great great Japanese animator that I think animators the world over recognizes probably one
0: of the greats of all time yeah and let's just get right into it Uh, the animation in this film I would agree is truly beautiful and (laughs) my favorite moments of the film were the the silent ones and and mm-hmm. when I, the version that I watched was the dubbed American version that has Oh no, Billy Crudup and um, mini drive. Wait, but you got it on DVD, right? Yeah. What's the big deal? You should have been able to switch out.
1: The, I told you to switch out the voices.
0: No, no, no. no. I'd rather do <laughs> to it watch this it in way. Japanese. I'd rather not uh, uh, read subtitles while I was watching it. But
1: oh, you're killing Andrew me. Andrew is crushed, ladies and gentlemen. I'm crushed. I'm absolutely crushed. That's a, that's a curious thing, though. That, like, I think a lot of people look at it that way, especially when they're... Like, for some reason, when it comes to Japanese animation, people don't want to read
0: subtitles. Are you sure that that it's even an option on the DVD? Oh, yeah, because I have the DVD. You have the DVD? Yeah. Well, don't worry, Andrew.
1: (laughs) I still enjoyed (laughs) it. Um, Well, it's the same as I would have seen it the first time in 1997 when it came out, which is when I did see it for the first time. uh, The theatrical release was...
0: Uh, dubbed, and it was the only way that you could watch Let's it. let put so. it this way. If this is going to be my introduction to Miyazaki, then it makes sense that it's a sort of a gradual sort of, you know. I guess. <laughs> un- understanding <laughs> of, of, you know, start off with the dubbed version. But the, yeah, the yeah. dubbed version is interesting because it's got a, a very sort of interesting assortment of voice actors, like Billy Bob Thornton is one of them. Claire Danes and uh, Jada Pinkett. Mini Driver, Jada Pinkett Smith. Billy Crudup is plays uh, the Ashitaka. Ashitaka. Yeah, and um, no, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it with uh, the dubbing. It was it made it very sort of easy to con- consume. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, so so right, so there's you could still hear the dialogue, of course. But my favorite moments, as I was saying, were these really like purely visual uh, splendor, splendors. Is that a word? Splendors, yeah. purely visual splendor of um, of the animation, where especially yes. having to do with the natural elements, the spirit, the spirit forest, and there was a, mm-hmm. there was a creature who would like walk through the, the woods, and every step that it take, like a little sort of crop of flowers would grow out of each step, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of really almost hallucinogenic beauty. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing that you you don't really see in uh, American animation whatsoever. Because I think it's interesting to sort of see what the collective consciousness is of different cultures. They say if if you know if if movies or animated films spring from the same kind of collective consciousness that that are that we all share, it's interesting to see interesting to see what comes out of the Japanese versus the American and there, yeah. are, there are there's imagery in princess mononoke that it seems so foreign and bizarre but it's also really really beautiful too and yeah. and i'm just talking about the not even the 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 plot driven animation or the or the battle scenes really um i was just yeah. really charmed by both those those visual moments and then also the uh, the sound design too which is quite nice it's extraordinary. Uh, to, to sort of, it's absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, to evoke that, that kind of a, a feeling and, and place.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that the, those beautiful moments that you talk about, I mean, we're talking about a hand-animated film. Uh, and in 1997, this was kind of right at the beginning of a renaissance for Japanese animation, um, where it was just sort of becoming more widely available in the United States. Um, I was really into it at the time. I was 17 when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was watching a lot of anime, and uh, this was this was one of those films that came along at the at the right time uh, because it was such a splendiferous, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: cornucopia of great animation. Uh, and and when, when it's all hand animated, at, you, you can marvel at some of the stuff in this film, like the the demons—they're covered in like these little sort of squiggly worm.
0: Sort yeah, of, like bloody leeches or something.
1: Like. Yeah, bloody leeches, and 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 there's thousands of them moving, and you have to figure that every single frame of this, they had to animate every single one of those little movements, stalks, yeah. you know, and one of those movements, and and it's really it's really astonishing and really impressive, and uh, Miyazaki, uh, still to this day, hand animates. He was nominated last year, or this year's Academy Awards. For the Wind Rises, uh, which he has claimed is going to be his last film, although he's claimed that since Princess Mononoke, which was supposed to be his last film. Right. And then he made Spirited Away, which was supposed to be his last film. Then he made Howl's Moving Castle, which was supposed to be his last film. So <laughs> uh, he said it before. We'll see if it, it, he actually holds to it. Um, but he he is such an extraordinary animator, and his team at Studio Ghibli is so great at creating that kind of like really vivid, really beautiful, really memorable imagery Uh, And I think that this film is one of the prime examples of, of, of just, it's just chock full of of images that just stay with you. I mean, you know, it's uh, nearly 20 years on and, uh, and even though I've seen it many times, uh, so many of the images are just locked in
0: my memory forever. Well, let's talk a little bit about the differences in, in animation between uh, Princess Mononoke and some other sort of American animated films that I've seen. I've, yeah. I've, I haven't seen just American animated films. Like there's others like um, Fantastic Planet, which is this old, bizarre yeah. French film from the seventies yeah. that's animated. But but most of the animated films that I'm used to are you know Disney or DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was watching Princess Mononoke, I was maybe. 20 minutes into it and I was like, "Oh gosh, this movie is so beautiful. Uh this is this is, is this a family film. What an incredible family film this is. I am going <laughs> to show this to my 6-year-old niece. She's going to love it." And then uh dude gets his arms chopped off. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. "Whoa." I is
1: <laughs> getting getting attacked by a samurai and he shoots an arrow right through this guy's arm. Yeah, and
0: both of his arms come off and I was like, "Wow." Uh and I started to, to ask myself like, "Do they operate by the same sort of, like, uh, you know, target audience uh, that's, that is American animated films do? Are these considered still to be films for children, or, or do is it very popular for adults to go to the cinema and watch the latest Miyazaki animated film? Well, it's absolutely the case that adults will watch
1: Miyazaki's films in Japan. Uh, until Titanic came along, this was the number one grossing film ever, in Japan, and Titanic only just barely squeaked it out, yeah, uh, to to surpass it in terms of, of gross revenue. But uh, but the the entire world of of Japanese animation is, I mean, it runs the gamut. They certainly have things that are very very kid centered Mm -hmm. and even Miyazaki has made a couple of films that are really more explicitly for children movies like My Neighbor Totoro which is extraordinary and amazing but is definitely clearly geared more towards a younger audience Um, that being said I don't think that it would be looked at in the same way uh, you know if a a young kid if like say an eight-year-old or something like that was watching Princess Mononoke I don't think that would be out of the ordinary Uh uh-huh Uh, In Japanese culture, they animation is treated in a much more adult way. I mean, like you can find plenty of examples. uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) In fact, they have a reputation for, you know, the itchy or hentai uh, animation is very, very adult animation, pornographic, in fact. Right. Um, And and they so it runs the gamut from the, the most kid friendly stuff to the most hardcore adults only stuff. Um, and and everything in between, and I think the really really ambitious and intelligent animators, people like Miyazaki, uh, explore worlds that they wouldn't be able to create in a live action film. Right. You know what I mean? Like everything that happens in Princess Mononoke, it, it, the plausibility of it in in a live action version is so low <laughs> like like the the idea that you'd be able to get all that done and have it look real and have it feel mm-hmm. real uh, is is rough. it's it's something that that only really can happen in an animated film or in an animated world or really sort of seems to belong in that that space. Um, and I think that the Japanese are good at explaining that. as I said, I, I was really into anime. Uh, at the time that this movie came out, and, and was for many years afterwards. I've sort of fallen out of it more recently, only because um, it became a very expensive habit to have, to be buying anime all the time <laughs> at 20 bucks a pop, and you'd have to buy 8 DVDs to fill out a box set, you know. Right. it get it'd get get pretty expensive. Um, so I fell out of it for a while, even though I've started to get a little bit back into it again, but, uh, but there's such a, a, a breadth of of subject matter that they can explore and do it in a really, really interesting and adult and moving way. I mean, there's their entire series uh, that are, are, are as moving as anything I've ever seen.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, it's great stuff. The uh, the animation in, in Princess Mononoke is is um it's this I've seen an animes before. I have to confess that. There's been maybe one occasion when I was in high school where we thought we would rent uh, a Japanese anime that was, you know, more on the adult side of things. And and you <laughs> notice that there are certain sort of similarities with the way uh, people's faces are drawn oftentimes. Um, yes. uh, the eyes, especially, um, and then the facial features. You've either got, like, the kind of classic, you know, beautiful faces like... Princess Mononoke or, or Ashitaka has. And then mm-hmm. you've got the, you know, you know, perpetually ugly faces of the like su- supporting characters in the comic relief. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, But one thing that you also notice in Princess Mononoke, which may be one reason why there was a blurb on the DVD box I got that said it was the animated Star Wars, is mm-hmm. that yep. you've got archetypes. You've got archetypal characters. Um, yeah. You've got the hero, the princess, the you know the comic relief, the supporting characters, etc. Um, and it's like we mentioned a little bit with our show about Noah, th- this idea of the the hero with a thousand faces myth, the, the yeah. Joseph Campbell, the Joseph Campbell philosophy, you know, and how you've got you've got these archetypes, and um, never mind that this is a Japanese film, and never mind that you know we make our own. Heroic stories like Star Wars is an American film, obviously. Um, there are these archetypes that seem to transcend culture and and time. Um, and and Princess Mononoke is a super popular film in the U.S. From what I found. Um, yeah, right. and it's it's um, it goes to show that you know I think that animated films may even be more accessible or more popular in other cultures than a live action film would be. Um, yes. I think that's that's probably well undoubtedly because as you said, Andrew, you know, you're if you're going to make an animated film, you want it to be about something that you couldn't easily film in a live action setting. So that, you know, suggests beautiful visuals, action, hair-raising scenes. Um, mm-hmm. these are all things that an animated film can deliver in spades.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I think that this film certainly does. Um, you say it's popular in in the United States. I, I guess IMDb is worldwide, but it currently sits at number seventy four on the IMDb top two hundred and fifty, which is very very respectable. Um, if you're if you're just looking to be in the court of public opinion, I think you know from about one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty on that list is pretty changeable. Things will move in and out, uh-huh. you know, uh, you know, here and there. But once you get into the top 150, and certainly once you get into the top 100, those ones have, are pretty fixed. Um, not a lot changes in that sort of uh, segment of the IMDb top 250. And, and this is sitting at number 74, so it's definitely sort of cemented its place, uh, you know, especially 17 years from its release. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at, at a pretty pretty solidly loved film. Let's talk a little bit about the sort of thematic elements of the film itself. Um, And how it relates to Miyazaki's oeuvre. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because this film is a textbook example of the things that really concern Miyazaki a great deal. He makes a lot of films about the sort of relationship between man and nature. And the destructive nature of man, often. Uh, he, he's he's very concerned with how we treat the world that we live in. And he dramatizes that in a lot of his films. He certainly does in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. He certainly does it in, uh, in this film, in Howl's Moving Castle. He visits that... I mean, even in movies like My Neighbor Totoro, even though it doesn't sort of explicitly... Delve into like man's destructive influence on nature. It does deal with man living in harmony with nature. Um and I think that, that uh it's 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 a pretty difficult path to tread because you can you run the risk of being really preachy. Mm-hmm. And I think that Miyazaki does an extraordinary job of not Doing that of being very like he dramatizes things in such a way that uh, in a movie like this, it's clear that, uh, you know, I mean, it's even explicitly stated by the characters at some points in the film that, you know, why can't why can't we live in harmony? Why can't man live together with the forest? Why can't the, the gods and the humans, you know, mm-hmm. live together?
0: Yeah, I think also that you're you're talking about not being preachy, but still sort of having a a message that has to do with yeah living in harmony with nature. I mean, this film you know could have been called Ashitaka. I mean, it's yeah. Ashitaka. He is, I think, he's one of, if not the central heroic character. Um yeah. But Princess Mononoke is is the um, the leader of the you know the 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 spirit forest and. Naming the film after her, even though she is a major central figure, um, but 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 shifting the focus explicitly to Princess Mononoke, I think shifts the focus of our attention to, you know, her situation and her mm-hmm. her family, which is this threatened forest. Yes. Yeah, and
1: and it it's the the nature of of Miyazaki's. I, I Miyazaki's really kind of a humanist like he he really has a great amount of compassion for all of his characters and all of the people in his films um and and that i think shines through here because you don't the 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 people in his films, even though there are antagonists and protagonists in this movie, nobody is really out and out evil nobody is really out and out good um everybody has urges one way or the other, some, some, uh, there's a sequence where the main antagonist, Lady Eboshi, um, actually gets wounded, uh, towards the end of the film. And then, uh, Ashitaka actually pulls her out of sort of the the battle out, out away from the kind of destructive force that is kind of destroying the whole world. Um, and, and takes her to kind of a safe haven and San, AKA Princess Mononoke, Mm -hmm. uh, has, who is, you know, one of our heroes wants to kill her, wants to kill her for, for having destroyed the land and, you know, strip mined the forest and, you know, done all this terrible stuff that's destroyed, uh, San's habitat and, uh, and Ashitaka as you said, is kind of since he's kind of the main character, he urges her not to do that, to control her violent urges and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I think that that's key to the success of the film and key to basically all of Miyazaki's characters and all every everybody in, in pretty much all of his films. He always sees things in in shades of gray. Yeah. Um, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily look at things uh, as black and white and and I think it's 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 really beautiful because you don't lady Iboshi while she does destroy the forest and that's certainly a bad thing she also is you know her her town is filled with uh, you know concubines who he's he's bought up the contracts for and made sure uh, she's she's bought the contracts for them so that they can be freed from. Bondage. Right. Uh, she has a whole group of people who make weapons for her that are basically a leperous people, like a leper colony that nobody else will talk to or, or be kind to. Um, and and it. So she she while she does bad things, she's also a good person right. in some ways. Yeah. And so I think that the the film doesn't treat her as out and out evil. And I think that that's that's key to to how 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 Miyazaki looks
0: at the world yeah. and looks at human beings and human nature. And uh, you know you're not going to find a Darth Vader in this story, which might be a difference no. between Star Wars and and this sort of archetypal tale. So and that maybe that is another um, cultural thing too, because I think in in Western civilization, you know we, we do want to have a villain of some kind usually. You know, it's yeah. usually good versus evil and it's pretty black or white.
1: Yeah, it's, it's curious. Um, I mean, to be fair, Miyazaki is in some regards unique in this respect, even within Japanese animation because there's a lot, there's plenty of examples of pure evil versus pure good and, uh, you know, situations where people uh, are fighting that kind of, you know archetypal fight mm-hmm. but uh, but Miyazaki I think is is more of a, a humanist and he's more he's more compassionate than a lot of filmmakers and I think that he he really does love his characters, be they good or evil um, on on the outside because they I think that he sees he sees the world in shades of gray and I think that that's
0: part of what makes you know part of what makes this work does he see it in fifty shades of gray? Dear God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh,
1: so yeah, I love this film. It's a classic sort of uh, anime film. And I think if you are looking to get into Miyazaki or if you are looking to get into Japanese animation at all, this is – most people would probably say this is one of your best starting points. It's certainly dazzling. It's very uh, compelling. It's very fun. Yeah, It's just an exciting, it's
0: an exciting film. It's very entertaining. And, yeah. And as Phil said, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Hi, this was my real introduction to serious and uh, anime filmmaking. And I thought it was wonderful. It's, it's a great animated film, but it's also a, just a great adventure film too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would even go so far as to say a great film. I mean, the, the technique on display in terms of just filmic language is extraordinary. And, uh, and I think that Miyazaki could be ranked easily among the great directors of any type of film, much less animated film. Um, and, and I really think that that he, pretty much any other animator in the world would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know for a fact that John Lasseter considers him to be the, the John Lasseter, of course, who's the head of animation at Disney, founder of Pixar. Uh, he thinks that Miyazaki is the greatest animator uh, living so if that'll give you some perspective <laughs> at least <laughs> uh so yeah i i loved it i loved it as well so definitely go and check it out in our next episode we are going to be talking about muppets most wanted mm-hmm. it's not a new new release it's actually been out for a few weeks at this point but We are excited about talking about it. Uh, It's going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah. And, uh, And I hope that you will join us for that podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Have a good one.